Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I love comedy. I love comedy movies. I love comedy TV shows, and I love stand-up. And this was a trait instilled in me by both of my parents. My father loved funny movies and funny TV shows, and my mother loved stand-up. And I was lucky enough to go see a bunch of very high-quality stand-up performances when I was young. Probably at the top of the list would be a performance I got to see of Rodney Dangerfield. I was way too young. I believe this was an 18 and up, or maybe even a 21 and up show. But the tickets for the performance were given to my mother from a friend. And she said, well, I'd like to take my son. And he said, don't worry, it's not going to be a problem. So we get to the venue, and the guy at the front door stops and says, well, this kid looks underage. How old is he? And my mother's friend goes up to him, talks to him on the side. Suddenly I was in. And in was great, because we were right in the front. Now, it wasn't a huge club, but it was sizable. And at some point in the performance, Rodney Dangerfield looked down at me and said, What are you, 10? I started laughing like crazy. The whole crowd laughed. I obviously was very young. But here was this guy I had seen on TV and I would see in movies who acknowledged me, who saw me in the crowd and was probably a little disturbed at this young kid. And he probably thought, I hope this kid is not as young as he looked. Rodney, of course, killed that night and... Even though he had someone opening for him, and I'm sure that person was quality, all I remember is seeing Rodney. And I wouldn't shut up about him for weeks, maybe even months afterwards, to anyone who would listen. I am a lifelong Rodney Dangerfield fan. I have seen every movie he was in. Every time I heard he was going to be a guest on a talk show, I would tune in. On today's show, we're going to talk about one of my favorite Rodney Dangerfield movies, Back to School. We'll talk about the people behind the camera, the people in front of the camera. We'll talk about the plot, how well the film did, its soundtrack, and where you can find Back to School nowadays. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Back to School was directed by Alan Metter. Metter is a American film director, probably best known for Back to School, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and the underrated Richard Pryor film Moving. It was produced by Chuck Russell. Russell is a director, producer, and actor. For me, he's probably best known as the director of the remake of The Blob. The screenplay was written by several people, Stephen Campman, Will Porter, Peter Torekve, and Harold Rimus. 
Rhymus is probably the most famous of that group, and he had very important input in the film. In the original screenplay, Rodney Dangerfield's character was poor, which, if you've seen the film, really seems like a different type of film. It was Rhymus's decision to make him rich, which I think helped to make the movie. The outdoor locations of the film were shot at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. If you've watched the film as often as I have, you've probably sat through the credits on occasion and saw at the end that it says, For Estelle, thank you so much, and you wonder, who is Estelle? Estelle is Estelle Endler, who was one of the executive producers on the film. She was Dangerfield's manager and landed him a bunch of roles, including Caddyshack. Unfortunately, she died during the filming of Back to School, so the film was dedicated to her. Today's show is brought to you by a local moving company. Heading back to school? Have a lot of supplies to bring with you? Why not hire a moving company? Take the work out of moving. Extra care always buys. Your helping hand now other than. Love those moving companies. So a little bit about the plot. Rodney Dangerfield plays Thornton Mellon, who is a rich man who started poor, has made a fortune in tall and fat clothing stores. He has a son, Jason, who is in school, who's not doing well. Thornton doesn't know this. Thornton's life, while glamorous and rich, isn't great. He has a wife who doesn't love him, just sort of into him for his money. Jason decides that he's not going to come home from school. Thornton decides he's going to go visit Jason. When he gets there, he finds out that Jason has been keeping secrets from him. Jason told him he was on the diving team, but he is not. He is only the towel boy for the diving team, and he's being very poorly treated by the rest of the diving team, including by its star diver, Chaz Osborne. Jason is going to drop out, and he confides, of course, in his good friend, Derek. Thornton hears all this. He says, if you stay in school, I will go to school with you. And so they embark on a crazy story where Thornton goes back to college, he goes back to school, and he turns the school upside down with his crazy antics, of course runs afoul of the very British Dr. Philip Barbet, and he starts falling for one of his professors. While this is all happening, he's not really learning, he's cheating. And there's some fun moments where Kurt Vonnegut Jr. actually makes an appearance in the film as himself, having written a paper about himself that received an F. Great stuff. Thornton has to pass this oral test, and he stays up studying and manages to pull it off with the help of Jason, Derek, his bodyguard Lou, and Jason's love interest Diane. If you've watched the film and you see the room he's taking the oral exam. It is the same room that appears in the movie Flashdance where Alex Owens makes her dance audition. After the exam is over, there's a championship dive meet, and of course at this point, Jason has made the team. Jason does great, and the big man on campus, Chaz, does poorly and then fakes a cramp in an effort to make the team lose. This gives the coach an inspiration, and this is something I guess I should have brought up earlier. Thornton was a diver in Atlantic City back in the 18th century or whenever it is that he was supposed to be a kid, and he asks Thornton to do this impossible dive, the legendary Triple Lindy. Thornton says, all right, I'll do it, and he climbs up there and does this insane dive where he's jumping between diving boards. I don't see how any of it could possibly be legal, but it is magical, and most importantly, it is hilarious. At the very end, we learn that Thornton has passed all his classes with a D, 
and the movie closes with Thornton lecturing the graduating class. President Sinclair and members of the graduating class, I have only one thing to say to you today. It's a jungle out there. You gotta look out for number one, but don't step at number two. And so, to all you graduates, as you go out into the world, my advice to you is, don't go. It's rough out there. Move back with your parents. Let them worry about it. Sound advice from Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, I mean Thornton Mellon. After these messages, we'll be right back. I tell you, nothing goes right. I bring Great twisters game. to the party and they say... Great game, Rodney. Yeah, but when do I get to play? In a minute, Rodney. Yeah, I heard that an hour ago. Not yet, Rodney. Well, I brought the Great game and I want to play. Rodney, not now. Well, if I can't play twister, then get your own game. Take your white paw and you put it where the green is. I gotta make new friends. Twister from Milton Bradley. Where the green is. Hey, it's my movie, Back to School, now on video. I think I'll see it again. <laughs> so that's what I call marine biology. <laughs> Rodney, take out the garbage. I already took out the garbage. Then go out and keep an eye on it. Oh, enough of this. I'm going back to school. Take it up, baby! Rodney, what about the garbage? Oh, you cooked it, you take it out. Rent a laugh now. Rent Back to School, now on home video. And now, back to the show. So now a little bit about the cast. Rodney Dangerfield played Thornton Mellon. Rodney Dangerfield was born Jacob Rodney Cohen. Sadly, he passed away in 2004. American comedian and actor, probably best known for his catchphrase, I don't get no respect. He was a spokesman for the Miller Brewing Company in the 80s and during the filming of this movie. So when you're watching the film, you might look around and see that there are Miller products, and that was because Rodney did not want to violate his contract during the making of the film. Rodney was in Caddyshack, and in the opening credits, there is a still of Rodney playing golf from Caddyshack in this movie, as if they're related films, which I somehow missed the first dozen times I saw this film. Burt Young played Thornton's bodyguard Lou. Gerald Tommaso DeLuise, born in 1940, best known as Burt Young, his stage name. He's an actor, painter, and author, best known for his Academy Award-nominated role as Pauly in the Rocky film series, Rocky's brother-in-law. I can't think of the Pauly character without thinking of that robot from Rocky IV that wishes him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pauly. It is, by far, my favorite part of that movie. Happy birthday, Pauly. Sally Kellerman played Dr. Diane Turner, the love interest of Thornton Mellon. Kellerman was born in 1937, is an actress and singer, probably best known in movie terms for her role as Major Margaret Hot Lips Houlihan in the film version of M.A.S.H. It was a role in which she was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Academy Award. In the film, Diane's house is the same one used as the Doyle house where all the babysitting was going on in the original Halloween movie. Keith Gordon played Jason Mellon, was born in New York City, Worked in a lot of films, including Christine, which was a movie I covered in another episode of the podcast. Nowadays, he does mostly directing, and has directed quite a few episodes of TV and movies. 
Derek Lutz was played by Robert Downey Jr. The Academy Award-nominated Robert Downey Jr. is probably best known nowadays as Tony Stark, the man behind the armor in Iron Man, a role that he seems to have been born to play. Paxton Whitehead played Dr. Philip Barbet. When I first saw this movie, I thought his name was Dr. Bombay, and I called him Dr. Bombay for a long time. He's a British actor who has quite a resume in stage, film, and television. Before seeing him in this movie, I knew him best from a role he played on the episode Foiled Again on Magnum P.I., where he plays a guy who gets killed by an electrified foil that Higgins is using. Quite an episode. Sam Kinison, the comedian, played Professor Turgeson. Kinison was a over-the-top, very loud comedian who did a great job in this movie. Fun fact, Jim Carrey was also up for this role, but they thought he was too young to pull it off. Kinison passed away at an early age in 1992. Terry Farrell played Valerie Desmond, the love interest of Jason, a former fashion model. She's also a great actress who is very familiar to anyone who is a fan of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where she played Jedziah Dax. She was also on Becker as Regina Costas. M. Emmett Walsh played Coach Turnbull. Not a big role, but any time you put Walsh in a movie, you're going to get something good. Now, there are three roles I always remember him from. His role in Blade Runner, Blood Simple, and as the crazed sniper in Steve Martin's The Jerk Who Hates These Cans. Adrian Barbeau played Vanessa Mellon. Barbeau was probably best known for her role on the TV series Maud and in the movies The Fog, Escape from New York, and Swamp Thing. Ned Beatty played Dean Martin, very funny, Dean Martin, he's the dean of the school, appeared in tons of movies. I always liked him in The Toy and Silver Streak, which shows you my taste in movies, but he has been in so many other things, it's hard to count. Most recently, he was in Toy Story 3, where he did the voice of Lotsa Huggins Bear. Kurt Vonnegut played himself in the film, in a joke I mentioned earlier, and last but not least, William Zabka played Chaz Osborne. If you're going to have an 80s movie and have a young villain in it, you got to go with the Cadillac of young 80s villains. And that starts with hiring William Zabka to play that role, probably best known as Johnny Lawrence in 1984's The Karate Kid. He continues to work today, and in 2004 he was nominated for an Oscar for co-writing and producing the film Most. Now, with a little bit more information about one of these talented people, is Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this time we were shining the spotlight on back-to-school co-star Burt Young. Burt Young was born Richard Maria on April 30th, 1940 in New York City. His birth name is in dispute as it has also been listed as Gerald Tommaso DeLuise. Young was trained at the Actors Studio by Lee Strasberg and got his start as First Hood in 1971's Born to Win, where he appeared with George Seagal, Karen Black, and Robert De Niro. His early career was filled with TV and TV movie appearances like M.A.S.H., Beretta, and The Rockford Files, though he continued to get roles in theatrical films such as 1974's Chinatown, The Gambler, and The Killer Elite, where he would appear with James Caan and Robert Duvall. In 1976, he landed the role he is probably best known for as Polly Panino, the brother-in-law and best friend of Rocky Balboa. He is one of four actors who has had the privilege of being in all of the Rocky films. 
Other notable roles in film and TV include Once Upon a Time in America, Amityville 2, The Possession, The Pope of Greenwich Village, Miami Vice, The Equalizer, Roomies, Last Exit to Brooklyn, Walker, Texas Ranger, and The Sopranos. Besides acting, Young is also a painter and published author with two screenplays and a 400-page historically-based novel entitled Endings. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. The film opened on June 15, 1986, and made $9.3 million on its opening weekend. It was the sixth highest grossing film of 1986, and globally grossed $108.6 million. It wasn't acclaimed, but generally people found it positive, including Roger Ebert, who said this is exactly the sort of plot W.C. Fields or the Marx Brothers would have appeared in, and Dangerfield brings it something they might also have brought along, a certain pathos. And there is a little bit of that in this film. It's not all wacky comedy. There are some dark moments in the film where we see Thornton hemming and hawing about is he capable of achieving We'll return after these messages. Hey, you may not think it's a look at me, but I experienced my share of passion. Only thing is, it's with a sandwich. Every time Arby's offers two beef and cheddars for three bucks. Boy, I tell you, all that juicy roast beef and cheddar cheese for only three bucks. Hey, it gives me the kind of warm feeling I can only get when... Ah, who am I kidding this is the only time I get that feeling. You can go anywhere and get filled up, but you can only get the two beef and cheddars for the $3 deal at Arby's. I tell you, some restaurants, I don't get no respect at all. Oh, one place, they charge me extra for a tiny salad. What a ripoff. I said, hey, wait, do you call this a salad? He said, at these prices, call it anything you want. <laughs> well, at Bonanza, you just help yourself to our fabulous salad bar. It's absolutely free with every dinner. That's right, absolutely free. Now, that's a deal you can respect. And now, back to our show. The movie has a great soundtrack. Danny Elfman, who has gone on to do a great many things, composed the score for the film, and his band Oingo Boingo appears in the party sequence singing Dead Man's Party, which was from their 1985 album Dead Man's Party. The soundtrack was only released in LP format, but was later released on CD with selections from another score of Danny Elfman's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Some of the artists who appear on the soundtrack include Michael Bolton, when he was a metal singer, good stuff, singing Everybody's Crazy, Jude Cole singing Back to School, and Aretha Franklin singing Respect. you are a fan of Back to School, you do not have to worry about it not being in print because it is very much in print. You can get it on DVD, you can get it on Blu-ray, it is available on streaming services. I think it is available for free if you have Amazon Prime. So if you have not seen this movie, you should run out and see it. Rodney Dangerfield is silly and charismatic and a real treasure. Someone that you don't have to see live to appreciate because the charisma he had 
in real life he brings to every performance. He's sort of a down-and-out everyman, which I understand was very different than how he was in real life. But he's so convincing at projecting that that you can't see him any other way. And that's what makes his performances in movies like Back to School and Caddyshack and Easy Money so wonderful. So this weekend, if you're looking for something to see, don't run out to the theaters. Go to the video store or just go online and stream it. You will not regret it. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. You can find Vic on the website every day. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. I get no respect, no respect, no esteem, nothing. This has been a retrospective. Goodbye.